This is Out of Office for Thursday the 28th of June 2012. Get focused. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you? Well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? Um, enjoying the winter weather. Enjoying the winter weather. I'm not so much of a big fan of the the drizzly weather, but uh, it has been a pretty mild winter as far as uh, as far as winters go. It has, and it's going to be sunny for the next few days. But I'm sure the rain will return soon enough. Yes, that's right. Good for the farmers. <laughs> that's right. We're obliged to say that, aren't we? <laughs> exactly. That's a, the mandatory response. <laughs> so t- today we're going to be talking about getting focused. Uh, so let's get focused, Chris. Okay. Uh, This is actually, uh, in in our book, Out of Office, we have uh, nine sections of the book. And one chapter of the book we call Keep Out the World. And we kind of included this almost uh, almost just for completion because it's just one page long. And it's talking about if you're you're working from home and you're working out of office, whether it's from home or in a cafe or somewhere like that, there are times when you do want to completely keep out the world, where you want to get focused and work on uh, certain tasks and be highly productive without any sort of interruptions. And in the book, that chapter, is only one page long because we basically say, look, nothing to see here. Just make sure there's nothing that you you connected to anything. But there are certain things that you do need to do to get focused and to be able to stay on task and not get distracted and not get interrupted. So we thought we'd talk about some of the things that you do need to do. A lot of these are time management and productivity tips. And there's a lot of time management and productivity information out there on the internet. So we're certainly not saying that this is the only stuff that uh, you could use. And we're certainly not saying that we're experts in time management or productivity. However, we do have certain insights based on the fact that we're talking about out-of-office workers. And in particular, out-of-office workers are often measured on their results, not on their hours worked. So uh, you don't have a manager looking over your shoulder all the time. You don't have colleagues who know when you're in the office and not. So you're focused on results. So you really do need to be focused on the outcomes that you can achieve, which means that you do need to be focused. Uh, It also means that we've got a lot more flexibility than other workers. So uh, we can choose our time and place where we work. So we can focus and, and work hard. Uh, At the same time, we can still do it with convenience, comfort and freedom, uh, which are the three things that we promise in the out-of-office lifestyle. On the other hand, this flexibility can also sometimes be a disadvantage because uh, people who work in an office often have the advantage that they have constraints around them. So they have to be there at certain times, they have to work at a certain place. And so some of those things force you to be productive or at least discourage you for being from being unproductive and for us if we're working out of office we don't have those constraints which means that we have to make up our own rules so that's why we thought is it is worthwhile talking about how to get focused in an out of office environment and we've kind of organized this in three areas so we're going to call this ready set and go so chris let's start with the ready yeah, so ready is about preparing and setting up so that you can focus when you're working out of office. Um, things like your workspace and the environment that you work in, and then dealing with interruptions or at least trying to minimize them. So when it comes to setting up your workspace, usually that's going to be a home office of some sort. And if you've got the luxury of a space in your home that you can dedicate as your home office, then that's pretty good. Um, I'm lucky in that regard. And if it has, if it's a room with a separate door, then that's ideal because you can close the door and that's going to shield you from interruptions and distractions from the rest of the house. And it also provides a clear signal to other people at home that you're working and you shouldn't be disturbed. 
So that's that's the situation that we both have, isn't it, Gihan? I've got a, a separate study upstairs and all of our living areas are downstairs. So if my wife and daughter are at home, they're usually downstairs and they can make almost as much noise as they like and that tends not to distract me. And also I have the door shut so they know that I'm working and, and they shouldn't come in and, and disturb me. Yes, and for me, um, I work by myself, so I'm, I've got a little bit more flexibility, and it's very rare that your wife and your daughter are in my house, Chris, so, <laughs> so that doesn't cause me so many problems. But yes, for me as well, I have a, I have an office, uh, which is one room in my house. I also sometimes work at my dining room table, so um, okay. just depending on how I feel and what sort of work I'm doing. Even so, you can you can take those measures, and you might still have a problem with external noise, and that tends to be uh, the case with me because we live on a relatively busy road in our suburb and there also at the moment tends to be quite a lot of uh, building activity going on so I don't know if this is a universal concept but tradesmen tend to be a noisy bunch so they often like to have their radios blaring and uh, they've got their equipment going so there is a bit of external noise when I'm working sometimes it's pleasant noise like birds and that sort of thing tweeting in the background If that's uh, something that you find distracting, then some people recommend that you have some background noise, uh, sorry, background music to to drown out that intrusive noise. Um, But you've got to be careful about the the music that you choose. If you're going to have Scandinavian Scandinavian death metal, that's probably not going to work for you. Or dance music's probably going to be a bit more distracting than the external noise. Something like classical music or ambient ambient music is probably more appropriate for a work environment. Uh, And you could also invest in a set of noise cancelling headphones they can also uh, help to deal with external noise sources i also find uh, i like having um, some music playing whilst i'm working but i find certain tasks are conducive to that and others aren't so for example if i'm reading or writing emails then i can't uh, have music playing but if i'm programming or developing software that uh, that tends to go really well with a bit of music playing however However, it's not all bad. There is some research that you drew my attention to, Gihan, that suggests that if you're involved in a creative task, then having some having a noisy environment actually is beneficial. So uh, the article that you pointed me to suggested that maybe you should head down to your local cafe if you want to do a little bit of creative work, a little bit of brainstorming, that uh, that tends to be more effective than locking your way in silent solitude when it comes to being creative. And I think finally, uh, a good idea is to mix it up, to experiment with different environments. And this is something that I haven't done much of. I tend to do most of my work at home, in my home office. Maybe I'll uh, go downstairs if I'm doing a bit of reading. But you've been a bit bolder, Gihan. You've been a bit more experimental in where you do your work. Yeah, and I think it's it's especially because I do consider myself a digital nomad, so it's a little bit easier for me to pack up my laptop and my phone and my internet modem and then go and work anyway. So sometimes I find that working at a cafe where there's a little bit of noise around there, people around, is really useful for me. And there's some other times when I do want to shut myself away in my home office. Uh, sometimes I sit out in the back garden and that works really well for me as well. And occasionally I, I want to go to a library where there's where there are people, but there's no talking. <laughs> well, theoretically, there's no talking. Yeah. <laughs> but that that helps as well. So I feel like I'm among people, but I can still get work done in silence. So I've, I do think that you've got to figure out what works best for you and uh, and also not necessarily feel that once you've found something that works for you, that's going to work for everything. Uh, for some tasks, you might find that a different environment is better. Yeah, okay. 
So once you've got your environment set up and we, we decide where you're going to work, the next thing to do in terms of uh, in terms of getting ready is just make sure that you don't have interruptions. So we're going to talk about interruptions and distractions. So we'll talk about distractions later, but there are things that you can do at the start to eliminate or at least minimize the sort of interruptions that you're going to be getting. And the first one's pretty obvious, and that's just let other people know. Uh, so if you are sharing your home office, your home or an office or some shared workspace with other people, let them know that you're, when you're working and you don't want to be interrupted, and you may have some rule about whether the door's closed or whether you have a sign on the door, whether if you're wearing headphones, uh, whether they, even if they're switched off, that might mean that you're not to be interrupted. Uh, so uh, other than even even people outside the home, so in, in a personal context, say your family and friends, just let them know that uh, they shouldn't be calling you during work hours, uh, unless, of course, they're important calls. And, and while we're talking about calls, uh, you can screen your calls. So only answer the calls that are important to you. And if you've got things like caller ID uh, or you have special ringtones for certain people calling, you can be sure that you can So only answer the important calls and leave the others. So you ignore them, but you defer them so they're left till later and they don't get in the way of you doing your productive work. Very good. So that's dealing with the the ready phase. The next is uh, set or getting set. And that's the things you need to do uh, prior to actually doing your work. And there's really one thing we can mention, and that is having a plan, working according to a plan. So work out what tasks you're going to actually work on. And the way that I do that is that that I have a spreadsheet and it holds a list of tasks that are ordered according to priority that I need to work on. And generally, that's, a, that's a, a list that covers more than one day's work. And at the start of each day, I generally check my email to make sure to see whether I've got any new tasks that need to be dealt with uh, immediately or during the day. And if there are new tasks, I add them into the list, I, I give them a priority, and, and then I can actually get started. Then during the day, other things can crop up. Uh, that involve new tasks, and again, I just add them to the list uh, so in order of their priority. And as I'm working through these tasks, when I complete one, I uh, move it out of the list and onto another list that lets me know what I've actually completed and when, so that gives me a way of tracking uh, my progress through the tasks that I've been assigned. And we'll talk about tracking a bit further on because I think that's a particularly important part of, um, of how you actually work. I think the really important thing you've said there, Chris, is that you've got your tasks uh, sorted by priority. So you've got the important tasks first. And uh, I guess we should make the point that what we're talking about here in terms of being focused and shutting out the world and uh, using noise-cancelling headphones, it doesn't have to apply for everything that you do. So there may be times when you're quite happy to be, well, if, even if you're not happy, it's okay for you to be interrupted by, by other people or by, other, by less important things coming in. However, there are times when you really want to focus on the important things. And it is important, as you say, in your planning to figure out what are the important things and put them on your priority list. And I love Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I've read that a long, long time ago now, and I've adopted a number of his ideas. And I guess if they're not exactly his ideas, then I'll, I'll take the blame for, for <laughs> adapting them wrongly. But there's some things that I really liked. And one of the things that he says is a plan on a weekly basis rather than a daily basis so at the start of each week decide what is, what's going to be important for you in the week because sometimes in a day there's nothing you can do you do get interrupted by important and urgent things that weren't on your list but as long as they're part of your weekly plan you can usually get through them so i have i just have a simple list i just uh, like you use a spreadsheet chris i just have a simple text file that just has a list of everything that i want to do for the week and i highlight the lines that i want to do the things that i want to do for today uh, also at the start of each uh, also at the start of each week i create a mind map uh, with 
basically Stephen Covey's ideas of what I want to achieve in the week. At the start of each day, I highlight the things in the mind map that I want to achieve for the day and then tick them off as I, as I do them at the end of the day. So I, I like that idea of doing the weekly planning. I also like doing uh, Stephen Covey's idea of doing your planning for the next day, the, the night before. So you don't turn up in the morning and do your plan. You, do, you actually do it the night before so that you can turn up fresh, knowing that you can get a, a really good start to the day. And the other idea that I like, uh, which I'm pretty sure came from uh, the Seven Habits book, was the idea that you know, if we if we have a meeting with somebody or some sort of appointment or Chris, the time that we're recording this this podcast episode, it's in our calendar because it involves somebody else. So Stephen Covey recommends that you also, if you've got important jobs to do do during the day, but they don't involve somebody else, stick them in your calendar anyway. So set the time aside rather than trying to slot it in among all the other things that you might have going on during your day. Very good. Okay, now we've got one more bit of advice before you actually get down and do some work, and that is to get rid of uh, unnecessary distractions that might occur whilst you're working. So it seems that people who write software for instant messaging and social media platforms and email love having these little widgets that chime and beep or pop up a notification to let you know that there's something really important that you need to attend to right now. Uh, But generally... They, they aren't important and they don't need to be dealt with immediately. And so one of the most important bits of advice we have is that you switch off these notifications. So try and turn off the notifications from your email client that something has arrived in your mailbox. Uh, there's various plugins for browsers that will let you know when you've got a, a new tweet from one of, your, one of the people you follow or that uh, someone has uh, added something to your feed in Facebook. So switch those off during work periods. Uh, and similarly, if you're not using instant messaging as a way of getting in contact with you uh, urgently, then uh, switch that off. Similarly with Skype, but Skype has this annoying habit of letting you know when someone has signed in or signed out. So when it comes to Skype, it's not something that I use as a way of getting in contact with me urgently. So I just only turn on Skype when I need to use it. So just get rid of those those notifications, those beeps, those chimes that are going to pop up and distract you when you're working. Uh, your phone might be a source of uh, a source of uh, distraction as well, but you might your mobile phone you might be using it to uh, to uh, you know you've got your to do t- task on it for, for instance, Kihan. It might be something that you need to turn to uh, as part of your working process. So put it onto silent mode, turn off vibrate mode. I find vibrate mode the most distracting part, more so than the ringtone. Uh, so put it onto silent mode so that you can use your phone without it being a source of distractions. The other thing that uh, I saw a tip in a blog post somewhere, Chris, that uh, in addition to putting it on silent, the other thing you can do is put it on flight mode, which is normally what you do when, you, uh, when you're using it in, a, in, a, in an aeroplane. Yeah. But putting it on a flight mode means that you turn off external access. So you don't get emails coming in or text messages coming in on your phone. So if you want to be uh, completely free of those sort of distractions, uh, turn, your, turn your phone on flight mode just for the time that you want to be fully focused. Absolutely, absolutely, and the, the, so that's essentially unplugging it from uh, from network communication. And you can do that. Uh, you can extend that to you know your PC or whatever. Just go completely offline if you need to. You if you don't need access to the cloud for a period, then unplug. Go offline. 
Yep, I, I think that's right. So we've talked about now, like setting up your environment and doing your planning. So let's let's look at some things that you do when you're actually getting into, like rolling up your sleeves and getting into getting your hands dirty and doing the work. Uh, and I think the first thing is something that I've only started doing recently, but I find it very useful. And it's the idea of just pacing yourself. So decide to set aside a set a set amount of time and work hard during that time, and then stop. And then uh, work hard again. It's like interval training when you're trying to get fit. Yeah. And uh, in fact, somebody else, um, my friend Alicia Curtis, she calls them work sprints. So she uh, so she sets aside a, a series of a, a set amount of time. So it might be half an hour or an hour, and she sprints during that time. So it works really really hard, uh, head down, tail up, and just gets as much work done as possible, and then stops and takes a break. Uh, and I came across this with something called the Pomodoro technique. Pomodoro being Italian for tomato, because you get those little timers which are shaped like a tomato, and they 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 use for cooking. And so you can set the timer for a certain amount of time. And I'm pretty sure that Pomodoro technique recommends that you work for 25 minutes. So you set a timer for 25 minutes, really work really hard during that time, and then stop and take a five-minute break. I found that 45 minutes works better than 25 minutes for me because I can get a big chunk of work done in that 45 minutes. And then I don't feel guilty about stopping and taking a little five-minute break. So this allows me to work really hard and then stop, work really hard and then stop without having to get overwhelmed by work, uh, having to set aside three hours for a big task or without getting distracted every five minutes. Very good. Yeah, I'm using uh, something similar to the Pomodoro technique, and I'm using a timer with a 25-minute interval on it. But I'm finding that, I, that at the, when the timer goes off, I still haven't quite finished what I want to do and I want to keep on working and I do find that 25-minute interval is just a bit too short. I keep hitting the snooze button on the timer and working for another five. So I reckon, yeah. <laughs> I reckon gonna... you're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 25 minutes is not enough. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'm going to have to lengthen that to maybe something like 40 or 45 minutes uh, in order to to get it to work, to fit better with the kinds of tasks that I work on. And, it, and that's, what, that's our message is to sort of find what works for you. But uh, these, these sprints of a certain duration are certainly an effective way of focusing on a particular task. And there's also some evidence that uh, taking regular short breaks does help you to stay alert. Rather than uh, you know, doing a three-hour stretch on something, you can become really weary and lose focus, whereas breaking it up into smaller chunks, taking a break helps you to stay fresh. And in addition to that, uh, there's some research that suggests that it's healthy to do that as well. So some people think that, you know, I've been to the gym this morning, I can sit around for uh, eight hours and not have any uh, physical activity. Whereas if uh, during your five minute break, you do a bit of stretching, give your eyes a rest as well, uh, that um, increases your heart rate slightly, go up and down a flight of stairs or something that that is uh, much more healthy than just uh, going to the gym and then sitting around for eight hours and doing nothing. I, I agree with you, Chris, and particularly with the with taking the breaks, uh, especially for out-of-office workers where we don't necessarily have those breaks uh, happening during our day. So if you're working in an office, it can, well, it can sometimes be annoying, but it can also sometimes be useful to have somebody come and peek over your partition and ask your question or that you've got to go off to a meeting after an hour or two. So it's rare in an office environment that you do get uh, two or three hours where you've got solid time to work away. But in an out-of-office environment, that can be quite common. So actually forcing yourself to take those breaks can actually be quite useful. And, and you need to do it because they otherwise sometimes aren't naturally there. Absolutely. So another thing that the Pomodoro technique talks about uh, and similar 
processes as well is tracking your progress. So keeping uh, keeping logs of what it is that you've been doing, the tasks that you're completing. And also when it comes to Pomodoro, they advocate if you get interrupted, making a note of that interruption and they've got different techniques for classifying the kind of interruption and how you should deal with it, whether you should postpone it, uh, try and eliminate it, reschedule it or deal with it immediately depending on its urgency. But if you take a note of those kinds of things, uh, as well as how many Pomodoros or focusing sessions you've completed during the day, you've got this log that you can go and analyse and work and, and see how you're working. How much time are you spending on work? How many interruptions you're getting each day and what kind they are? And that gives you some data that allows you to find out how you can improve the way that you work. Are there kinds of are you getting a lot of uh, dis- interruptions or distractions that you can possibly eliminate and uh, get more work done? Also, it helps you to see how long it actually takes you to complete certain kinds of tasks. You might have a vague idea, but by logging and monitoring your progress, you actually have some real numbers, some hard data that can help you get an accurate picture of the amount of effort required to complete certain tasks. And then if you're asked in future how much effort and and, uh, time is it going to take you to do something, then you've got some data that you can draw upon to make more accurate estimates in future. That's right. And that's a good that's a good point, Chris, because uh, you do want to do the tracking and monitoring of your own time for your own benefit so that you know how long things are going to take. Because, as we said earlier, uh, with a lot of out of office workers, you're going to be measured on your results, not on the time that you spend. However, for your own sake, it's important to know how, how long things take and so that you can uh, you can improve things in the future and also make uh, accurate estimates in the future. So. You do need to focus on your results, though. Like, it's not enough to say, I've spent three hours on this task today, and that's how long I estimated it was going to be. Therefore, the task is done, and I can cross it off my list. You just can't do that. Uh, as out-of-office workers, we're very much judged on our results and our outcomes rather than on the time spent. In an office environment, people are a little bit more tolerant because they can see that you've spent you know, four hours in a task, which you thought was only going to take two. So they realize that the task was a bit more difficult than they thought because they, they see you there or they see you working late or they see you coming in early. And with out-of-office workers, you can't do that. So you do have to focus on the results. Uh, but the flip side of that is that if you're not making progress during the time that you've set aside, I, I really do think that you should stop and do something else. It do- doesn't mean you should give up too soon. Uh, sometimes you do need to push through to get get a difficult task started or make some real progress on it. But sometimes the best thing to do is to take a break or to switch to another task or to change your environment or do anything uh, that that changes that changes the pattern because the pattern or the the task that you're doing at the moment in this current environment isn't working. So so give yourself the flexibility to switch to something else if you need to, but also always keep in mind that it's the result that matters. Absolutely. So when you're focused or you're locked down and you're working away on a particular task, it's uh, it's tempting to just beaver away uh, until you've done some, done what you're working on. But because you're out of office and you're not being watched by managers, they can't see that you're at work. The people that you're working for have got no evidence that anything's getting done until you pop up at the end and say, here is the completed project or whatever. It's important to communicate to those people that you're working with that you're actually making progress, how much progress you're you're making, and do that kind of early and often because you're, you know, you're not in in physical proximity to the people that you're working with or working for. Now, uh, 
that's certainly the case if the task is particularly important or urgent. But if it's a long-running task, then you need to provide updates uh, as you're making progress and, and going through the tasks themselves. And there are a variety of ways of doing this. You can uh, communicate using good old email, although some managers are deluged in email. So rather than pushing uh, updates at them, you can use, say, a, a document in the cloud or a wiki or somewhere that you update. And then they, then managers and other people working with you can check in on that at their leisure. And as well as that, there are certain tools that are designed for precisely this kind of thing. So uh, I use one called Bugzilla and Gyra at work, and that's a, a defect tracking tool. So you provide updates as you complete tasks towards fixing a certain problem. And again, that tool uh, can either push out updates to other people who need to be informed about progress on a particular task, or they can check progress at their leisure. As well as that, I mentioned earlier about uh, keeping track of what you're doing um, so I use a tool called Hamster for that. That's for Linux. So if you're one of the few Linux users in the world, you can go and install Hamster. But there are lots of these tracking tools around for various other operating systems. So as well as uh, giving me feedback on how much time it's taking me to complete things so that I've got a better understanding of the way that I work, I'm also required to provide weekly and monthly progress reports. And Hamster is a really good way of just sucking the numbers out of uh, its database and letting me know how much time I'm spending on tasks and what tasks I'm actually completing and how far I am through them. So that's a hamster if you're a Linux user, and I'm sure there are s similar tools for other operating systems too. Mm, I, I haven't used hamsters or guinea pigs or other little small animals for, for my tracking cruise. Uh, but I think one of the key things is if you're using a tracking tool, it's got to be something that's easy to use, not just for you, but for everybody else, because otherwise it just becomes one extra thing that you need to do. And if it's difficult, so if you have to log in all the time or you have to connect or you have to verify, and then it's hard to add tasks to it or, or tick things as completed, then it just becomes an extra burden. And if you're doing a lot of work, uh, which you will typically be doing in an out-of-office environment, then it can be uh, it can be a big burden for you. And I came across a tool recently which I've just started using with my PA Sharon. Uh, the, the tool's called goodtodo.com and it's actually intended to be a tool for individual use for you to manage your to-do list. And so you can manage it from your computer, from your phone, from your tablet. You can update it through a web interface or through a phone app or just by sending an email to uh, to a certain mess uh, to a certain address. So if I want to send set a task for Tuesday, I can send it to Tuesday at goodtodo.com, and that gets added to my to my to do list. And initially, I started using it for myself, and didn't I found it wasn't quite right. But now Sharon and I are using this for the tasks that she's got on her to do list. So when she wants to when she has something new to do, she will add that to good to do. Uh, into the account and then if I want her to do something new I'll add that as well or quite often I'll send her an email and I'll cc it to good to do on the particular day when it needs when the task needs to be done and then she, so she can do it she can cross things off she can add things on there and by doing it that way she she keeps me up to date on what she's up to because uh, she's not physically in the same office as I am. So she works at her own time and exactly like any other out-of-office worker, she works at her own pace and time whenever she wants to, wherever she wants to. But by using Good To Do, we have a to-do list which we can both update and see at any time. So I don't need to keep checking in on her. She doesn't need to keep checking in on me. And uh, as you said earlier, like she doesn't need to send me an email for everything that's done. She just needs to cross it off the list and it's done. So that is something that's available for, um, I think, in all operating systems uh, because that's web-based. And then iPhone and Android apps, 
and uh, and of course it's, you can send an email as well so it's available uh, everywhere and goodtodo.com uh, the, there's a free version which you can do use as a trial but then you can sign up and it's it's some ridiculously low amount I think it's only about $20 a year, but it's something like that. And you have a to-do list, which which is in the cloud, so it can be shared with others. We we actually experimented with a couple of other things. We looked at certain Android apps that we could use, uh, and there are quite a few. There are quite a few apps which will allow you to do project tracking and task tracking. Uh, but most of them were a little bit more complicated and complex and sophisticated than we needed. And it needed us to both... Uh, you know, set the task and then go into the app and then note that on a certain day. And then the other person has to accept the task and say, yes, I'll do it. And then when they when they do it, they cross it off and so on. It was just a too much work for every little task. Where it's good to do because it's done through email uh, and just through the app. It became very, it's, it's become very, very easy to use and it makes it a very clean workflow for us. Great. Okay, so we've talked about ready, set, and go. So ready is getting your environment in place. Set is planning what you're going to do, and go is what you do as you go. So uh, I'm not sure that there's anything more to say, Chris, except to just perhaps re- reiterate a couple of the things that we that we said earlier. Uh, one being that out of office workers are are really judged by by results. So you do have to figure out how to achieve those results. So it's not just a matter of putting in the hours. And uh, the second one, which you also mentioned, Chris, is that it's really important that you um, that you're not only you're not only are you judged by your results, but you don't have uh, you don't have to, uh, but you have to do your tracking for your own purposes, uh, even if it's not for your for your manager's purposes or for for other people's purposes. And so that's it's useful to have some sort of tracking and monitoring tool for your time anyway, because uh, because you do need it just for your for your own benefit. Is there anything else that you want to reiterate? And I think, uh, as you say, these tools you don't want them to get in the way. So. Uh, for example, the Pomodoro technique is designed to be lightweight and as you mentioned with Good To Do, you chose that because it was an easy tool to use and similarly I chose Hamster because it's easy to use and I can get the information out of it really quickly. So I think the techniques, are, all these crutches, all these helper applications need to be light touch. They need to be simple and easy to use so that they don't con- consume valuable time that you'd rather be otherwise be using on work. That's right. Now, there, there is a, uh, one other really important point that you made earlier, Chris, and that is that you've got to choose what's right for you. So we've shared some of the things that we do. We hope that some people will be able to just take them and use them exactly as is. However, you might find that you need to adapt it slightly because your environment is slightly different, uh, because your work is slightly different, and because you are slightly different. So you do have to find and choose what works for you, but don't don't go with the defaults. Uh, actually, take some time to figure out what works for you and experiment a little bit to find Find out the most suitable uh, the environment and the the kind of work style that you want when you're going to be focused. I guess the last thing we should do, Chris, is mention the book again. Uh, it's uh, Out of Office, which is all about how to use the internet to give yourself uh, convenience, comfort, and freedom in your work style. Uh, it's been selling quite well, uh, both the the printed version and the e version. We've been uh, we've been selling it. hasn't become a runaway bestseller by any means, but we are selling them so you can get them. You can get both versions uh, if you go to outofofficebook.com, and it's available where all good ebooks are sold. That's right, and in print form if you prefer. Thanks, Gihan. Another great podcast. Good to talk to you. Likewise. Thanks, Chris. And bye for now. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice. <laughs>